Welcome to Track to the Future, an Array Technologies podcast and your source for insight into utility-scale PV tracking innovation. We'll be discussing thoughtful engineering, plant reliability and performance, and new developments in solar tracking. Join us for industry trends, expert opinions, and more, lighting the way to a brighter, smarter future. Hello and welcome to Track to the Future, a podcast from Array Technologies. I'm Tyler Kern. Thank you so much for joining us for this episode of the show. Our topic today is hail and wind, discussing extreme weather risk mitigation for utility-scale PV power plants. And we're joined by a panel of experts who will be sharing their insights on this subject. First, we have John Sedgwick from VDE Americas. John co-founded VDE Americas in 2013, where he served as president ever since. John is a serial Silicon Valley entrepreneur with over 35 years of experience in establishing innovative technology companies and generating returns to investors. He has over 20 years of solar industry experience, ranging from silicone manufacturing to the development of 100 megawatt plus utility scale plants. John's solar journey started in 2001 when he co-founded Soliax, a monocrystalline wafer manufacturer based in Santa Clara with operations in Portland, Oregon. John served as executive vice president of the company until it was sold to MEMC Sun Edison in 2013. At Sun Edison, John was director of sales and marketing until he left the company to start up VDE Americas. John has a Bachelor of Science in Aeronautical Engineering from San Jose State University. Joining us from Array is Sanket Shah, Senior Product Manager. Sanket is responsible at Array Technologies for driving product innovation with a focus on the development and launch of advanced controls and software products. Sanket's main responsibility is to bring the customer voice into Array's product development. With 10 years experience in the solar industry, the majority of his experience has been in solar plant design and development. He previously was employed at SMA America and Power Electronics, an influential inverter manufacturer, as an applications engineer. Senket has a master's in science from NYU in power systems engineering. And also joining us from Array is Travis Rose, Vice President of Sales for North America at Array Technologies, and he's also going to be moderating this discussion. Travis is responsible for leading, organizing, and directing the North American sales and project management teams at Array Technologies, and driving the continued success of Array's best-in-class solar tracker products. Travis brings over a decade of solar industry experience to Array, drawing upon his years of experience in previous roles at SMA America and Advanced Energy. He's committed to the relentless advancement of solar. Travis has a BA in business administration from the University of Texas and an MBA from Colorado State University. Travis, you are moderating our conversation today, so let me turn things over to you. Take it away, Travis. Yeah, thanks for the introductions, Tyler. Appreciate it. And John and Sanket, I'm really pleased to be talking to both of you, not only because you all are, are both experts in the, the solar field, but really because our topic today, hail and, and wind and extreme weather and, and how PV plant owners and, and operators can, can mitigate that risk. Virtually every customer that uh, that we're talking to these days with NRA Technologies, whether it's an EPC or a, uh, a long-term solar operator, an O&M company, an owner, just about everyone we're talking to over really the past six months has brought this topic up. So this conversation should be really valuable for you know you all passing on expert information on on extreme weather uh, mitigation, what we can do from a from a tracker standpoint to to help mitigate that, and and really overall how we can can mitigate risk in a in an industry that strives to mitigate risk and unknown as as much as as possible. So 
let's jump into it. I, I really want to talk about why hail and wind is of such interest to all the stakeholders right now in, in solar, whether it be EPCs, lenders, insurers, asset owners, um, operators, you know, basically the full, full gamut in the, the utility scale um, PV industry. So maybe let's break those down one by one, kind of start with um, maybe saying, Kent, we could start with you. For asset owners and operators, why is hail and wind risk and, and extreme weather um, having a response to that, that strategy, or excuse me, a strategy to mitigate that so important? Yeah, thanks. Thanks, Travis. So what we have seen in past six months, as you said, uh, more and more customers are looking at uh, long-term sustainability of a project, which is located in a, a region where weather is uh, providing some kind of risk, uh, maybe wind, maybe hail. So getting insurance for those assets has been uh, an issue since uh, there have been some uh, major projects that have been hit really hard and provided a lot of insurance payments. Uh, that just has opened this door where uh, everyone may be uh, asset owners mostly are looking at reducing those insurance rates. Uh, and uh, yeah, so uh, basically the issue has been raised uh, from uh, different EPCs, developers, and uh, asset owners. Uh, and uh, like basically we have to uh, kind of respond in a way that uh, uh, shows them the viability of the asset for long term and uh, how we can provide assurances that the site will not get damaged with high wind. So John, Sanket brought brought up insurers and it seems like in a lot of these, these uh, these discussions we have, um, the insurers are driving a lot of these these conversations. Can you kind of walk us through why um, uh, why weather mitigation is important to insurers, and also kind of how what the, the the difference is as far as risk goes to EPCs insuring EPCs through construction versus insuring a long term site owner through the lifetime of the project. Yeah, it's interesting in that. Um... The risk associated with severe weather has changed. In the solar industry, initially, most of the assets were being constructed in very benign weather environments in California, Hawaii, et cetera. But due to recent changes in incentives, areas, for example, in ERCOT in Texas, have become very favorable for installing these assets. So now we are installing large-scale assets in the areas that have a significantly different risk elements, for example, than what has historically been recognized in the industry. So from an insurance perspective, this is new. And there's not a great deal of understanding of absolute risk associated with hail. And that's one of the areas that we've been spending a lot of time in investment is to provide the industry, both investors, EPCs, and insurance companies with a much better understanding of return intervals associated with hail occurring at a particular location, and then trying to make an assessment of the potential damage of that hail 
with a certain set of technology, module technology and tractor technology. And John, have you have you had many many inquiries or uh, requests for information around uh, hail and, and wind mitigation from EPCs during for, for projects un, under construction when potentially, especially with the the trackers not being fully constructed yet and fully built, they may be at a uh, at a vulnerable position if a project site is is hit with severe weather during construction phase. Yes, we have addressed a number of inquiries um, relative to the risk of hail at a particular location. Uh, we deal primarily with financial entities, and from the financiers' perspective, they're very interested in looking at the return interval of damaging hail over the period of their investment. Um, from the EPC's perspective, um, they're primarily interested in knowing what type of technologies can be installed at a site and its resilience to the probability of hail occurring at that location. So elements such as the type of module that's selected for a particular location, coupled with the selection of an appropriate tracker technology and an appropriate snow strategy are all critical elements of the risk of damaging hail occurring at any point, assets development and operation. Yeah, thanks, John. So, Sam Kent, John brought up some 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 factors that um, that that they're looking at and that their clients are are looking at specifically around around trackers, the the robustness of the trackers, the uh, um, the, the the snow load, the wind load, um, the uh, uh, the properly configured uh, posts. Um, is there a consensus, Sam Kent, in the industry right now on? Kind of what is what is a, a gold standard as far as hail and wind risk mitigation or, or response strategy uh, for a, a PV plant when it comes to trackers? Yeah, so uh, thanks, Travis. So we have worked with PDE to put together a strategy, and we'll talk more about that uh, during the podcast. But uh, the main consensus from that is a tracker that is stowed or positioned at the maximum tilt angle would be able to provide uh, the maximum uh, protection from incoming hill uh, when it's faced opposite to the direction of the wind. Uh, that's general consensus. And uh, the more important part is if a tracker is positioned at that maximum tilt and is faced with the site designed wind conditions, at that point, if the tracker will be able to survive that or not. So uh, currently, the work that we have done uh, with PT clearly sh shows that uh, the best way to mitigate wind is uh, putting your tracker at uh, between 45 to 55 degrees uh, uh, opposite to the direction of the wind. And uh, uh, a tracker that can survive uh, being in that position while the site is facing a, a hailstorm is an important aspect. And what are the pros and cons of of a of a stow strategy, Sanket? When uh, when you're talking about, I, I think I think we've we've seen and it's been been proven that uh, normally hail is accompanied by by high wind. So depending upon your your stow strategy with your your tracker, um, 
you really need to have a, a, a strategy and a tracker that's, that's able to both account for high wind as well as hopefully getting the, the modules in the, um, the optimal position to withstand um, a barrage of, of hail, so to speak. Can you walk us through kind of the different, uh, different stow strategies on, on, stra- on trackers and the pros and cons on, on each when it comes to hail and wind risk? Yeah, so there are typically two strategies that are used trackers are, are to mitigate wind load scenarios. So if the site is designed for the maximum wind load conditions, the, the first strategy is the active still, where a wind sensor detects a, a certain speed and the tracker goes to its design tilt angle, where it's designed to take the maximum wind load. And the second strategy is a passive strategy, which ferry technologies have patents on, which is basically if the wind picks up and goes above a certain value, the tracker will automatically position itself to the maximum tilt angle. And the site is designed for taking that maximum wind load at that maximum tilt. So the differences in terms of pros and cons is with a tracker that actively stores to a more of a flatter angle, for example, like between zero to 30 degrees, that would, for one, require a lot of active components to act, to put it to that position so it's safe from wind. But at the same time, it can only stay safe at that at that wind load when it's in that certain position. And if it's between zero and 30, it is at a high risk of getting damage from hail. So if a hailstorm happens, so that means you have large hail coming at a really high speed, that tracker will not be able to sustain both of those uh, scenarios and you'll either have to make uh, make a choice of being safe from wind or being safe from hail while if you look at arrays tracker it's basically it's designed to take up maximum wind load at our maximum design angle which is 52 degrees so if all the trackers uh, or all the rows are positioned at that 52 degrees we'll be able to take uh, the maximum site design wind load at the same time, be significantly more safe in hail scenarios. So, John, Sam Ken mentioned some uh, some of the resilience that um, both Array Technologies has built into to our trackers, as well as as other trackers with uh, with with uh, active stow strategies. It, it appears that over the really over the last year, our industry has started to evolve and put together a risk mitigation strategy around extreme weather. What uh, what do you think that the, the future holds on this? Any any predictions as far as um, what type of planning and what type of of risk mitigation will be put in place for for new sites? Yeah, let me um, kind of drop back to when you you asked the question about is there a gold standard, and what what that makes me think about it is how early we are in the understanding of um, some of these elements and. and that coupled with how complex the subject is about hail in general and weather overall is an extremely complex uh, topic to try to understand and get your arms around. Um, th- this area of study and, and understanding the impact on components like modules and trackers and other things is very early in its, in its um adoption within the industry. An example of that is that hail has been 
there's been an IEC standard 61215 for many years where there's a hail test where they fire a 25 millimeter um, ice fall into a normal impact on the front face of the module through a, a hail shooting cannon. And then they do various tests, wet leakage tests and, and voltage tests after the fact to find out if there's been any damage. And if not, the module achieves its certification and it goes on. Virtually every module that is submitted for that test passes. However, that test has very little correlation to reaction to uh, what actually happens in real life. Hail is much more complex. Hail is associated with uh, convective thunderstorms, which means that hail, particularly large hail, is almost always associated with very high winds. So having a test where you shoot a hail ball at normal impact into a module um, does not reflect what you're going to see in the real life hardly at all. And a solid ice cube that's been cured in a uh, freezer under controlled conditions is dramatically different than a ovaloid, spheroid piece of three-inch hail that has densities much less than that solid ice cube that is falling with um, a different kind of energy than, than you would expect from a solid piece of ice falling out of the sky. So all, all of those need to be factored into the equation, and wind is probably the most important one of which. And so wind will have a, a much greater effect on the impact angle on the hail than, um, than many other effects. And wind will affect lighter hail or it will hemi hail. So you need to absolutely design your mitigation strategy with the thought in mind that you're probably going to be seeing the high velocities of hail, which is going to increase the impact energy of the hail hitting the module. So like Sanket mentioned, many of the early SOS strategies was related to mitigating hail that's falling vertically. So if you take your, your tracker and you stow towards the wind at maximum angles, you will definitely mitigate hail that's falling vertically. However, if you have high winds, that will reduce that angle and the hail coming in towards your modules. And in certain cases, you may increase the impact energy because now your hail is impacting your modules at a, at a normal uh, position. So yes, we've done a lot of study of the, um, on the effects of wind. Uh, in summary, I think the, the, um, what you can take away from this is we think the industry needs to have a lot more studies and a lot more certification activity um, trying to analyze the effects of hail under much more real-life conditions. Yeah, John, it seems like a lot of the, the data on extreme weather testing focuses around around modules, hail and, and wind, and their, their effects on the modules. Um, have you seen much testing or data available on the balance of system components outside of the, the modules? No, we haven't seen a lot of severe weather testing our modules itself, really. We think it's very early stage. 
but no, I have not seen a lot of testing associated with um, with thalassic systems. Yeah, it seems it seems extremely important. Sam Ked, maybe you can you can talk about uh, some of the things that uh, Array Technology is looking at doing from a um, from a testing perspective and to uh, uh, secure a uh, a more secure position around uh, hail, wind, and, and extreme weather. Yeah, so what we have done so far is uh, like basically work with PTE to figure out what would be the impact energy of a hill hitting the module uh, surface would be. Now, there are quite a lot of uh, aspects that uh, we are still to study, and that's that are going to be our next steps. And the majority of that stems to bifacial modules. Like the study that we have uh, performed states pretty clearly how a monofacial module would act. And mostly what we want to protect is the front surface, but there are added components to the modules that we don't have the data for, such as like junction boxes, or in the case of bifacial modules, the resiliency of the backside of the module. So those are the things that we still need to study. And our next step is going to be to work with model manufacturers to figure out what is the resiliency of their module in these different places. So we can develop a more consistent strategy and maybe try to automate the response of the trackers that that could put all the modules in a position where it's possibly the safest from incoming hill. And one more aspect to this is uh, going to be the predictive methods that uh, everybody uses to get a signal from a weather station or a service that provides them like an alert to be at the safe position around the time of hill. Yeah, and if I can just add on the, um, I mean, having additional testing on the effects of some of the severe weather on balance of systems is really important. Um, many aspects of balance of systems, you know, beyond the tracker, but speaking of tracker in particular and the mounting structures that they have, um, severe weather conditions are are a lot different than what you might experience in a wind tunnel test. And so modifying these wind tunnel tests to better emulate turbulent environments that you'll see in a, in a smith thunderstorm where wind directions can change dramatically over short periods of time. They provide a lot of stress on the mechanical structures. So very broadly speaking, the benefit of having a more robust mechanical structure in areas where you're going to experience these kind of severe weather events is, is highly beneficial to the long-term performance, financial performance of the asset. So John, as, as we have listeners out there, side owners, EPCs, that uh, uh, we've provided a lot of, of good information, but where do these where do these stakeholders go to uh, to get this data on on component reliability? Are there there industry trade groups, independent researchers? What uh, if if uh, if we've got listeners out there that said, "Hey, this this all sounds great. What's next? Help me out. Where 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 do I go? What where which uh, what direction would you would you point them, John? You want them to just uh, just call you, but what's uh, what's the way to go? Yeah, well, of course, I can call me. <laughs> just kidding. Um, of course, yeah, I, I think the uh, ministry in general needs to um, take this seriously and develop appropriate standards that that um, 
the industry can rely on for, for much more reliable information as to how various components will perform. But maybe even before that, one area of knowledge that needs to be improved on is the site-specific risk of events like hail. Um, there's information that you can get from NOAA and others that are based on some pretty rough sampling. Uh, for example, there are databases of hail that is derived from what's called SPC data or Storm Prediction Center data that's provided by spotters. And basically it's a large group of trained individuals that when a hail event happens, they go off and grab a hailstone, measure it, and report to uh, uh, NOAA what they found. And yeah, the data goes back for many years, but it's um, pretty sporadic. And the unfortunate part is a lot of this SPC data is not available for areas where these sites are being put up in the middle of nowhere. So there's a, a lot better information that we're developing for understanding site-specific risk, um, knowing what your actual um, return interval is, you know, how many hundreds of years can you expect between um, events, and, and that has a really important impact on the uh, financial analysis on the, on the site. You know, even a, a one in 500 year event will, um, will have an important impact on on um, financial return. If you look at a one in 500 return period, there's a 2% chance of a damaging storm occurring every 10 years, you know, or a 5% chance of it happening in a 25 year period. So that becomes really important to an entity that's evaluating the financial performance of an asset. Um, but getting back to your question about how we can improve our understanding, there are some groups that are doing some initial testing of hail, you know, at various angle, impact angles, at various densities, um, looking at much more of a real life process and we need to encourage that and and um, promote that and that can be available to people that are considering trying to select appropriate module technology and then on the uh, track room EOS side I think uh, what San Kitts do in an array uh, providing uh, robust mechanical structures is highly beneficial towards assets that are going to be installed in these high catastrophic risk prone areas Thanks, John. Sankit, you, you touched on it a little bit earlier around uh, around bifacial modules. Um, you know, ver outside of thin film, virtually every project we see these days is is utilizing bifacials. Can you talk a little bit more about the importance of um, having the the modules in the in the right positions during a uh, during a, a, a high risk weather situation for for bifacial modules when you uh when when you have both the 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 front side and the back side with with potential concerns yes uh, uh, if we talk about uh, the bifacial modules so you uh, you have a glass on the back side which would get impacted with hail so if you are looking at a high 
uh, high wind scenarios and a really small, uh, not really small, small hail, at that time, it can pretty much uh, uh, flow vertically and hit the backside of the modules if the, uh, if the trackers have positioned the modules away from the wind. So that is an aspect that could have impact on both uh, backside of the module and the junction boxes, which has been brought up by uh, quite a few developers uh, that we talked to. So knowing how, uh, how resilient uh, or how strong that structure is uh, while facing the uh, hill uh, would be an important aspect uh, to, to provide the strategy for uh, bifacial modules. Yeah, I, I, I concur with that completely. And if you adopt the show strategy where you you set up your, your modules so that they're facing opposite the direction of the wind, you, you clearly get significant mitigation of hail that's coming in. It's gonna it's gonna be looking at the um, side of the frame in the, in the module more than it is a normal impact directly at the module. And what you're concerned about, obviously, is glass breakers. And also, before you get to glass breakers, there's significant energy that's being applied to the actual cell device. So issues like microcracking and how that impacts various wafer technologies, for example, or, or various cell um, technologies like FERC or otherwise, is an interesting topic in itself. But what Sam Kitt was addressing is that when you adopt the strategy where you're setting your modules away from the wind under certain wind conditions that hail can impact the back of the module. And that is a very, very new phenomenon that very few people have thought of. Um, in a normal situation, you would never think about anything impacting the back of your module if it's facing up towards the sun. But in a case of having a uh, hailstone strategy that it provides maximum mitigation, there is the potential for hail impact on the back of the module. And there's little to no analysis of what happens to various module technologies with hail impact on the back side. Exactly. So there are like basically two ways to uh, like minimize that risk. One is to figure out what exactly are the damage thresholds for both front side and back side, and try to figure out uh, the optimal angle uh, of uh, putting the tracker at uh, or putting the modules at, where uh, uh, it can mitigate risk on both sides. Uh, or uh, the second one is get a more accurate alerts coming from a weather service can provide you with the data of, of what's the expected hail size and what's the expected wind uh, that's going to accompany that hail storm and uh, a position the trackers accordingly so uh, you're you're safe from either sides. Yeah, that, that will provide very awful mitigation where you think of a uh, solar array as being kind of an intelligent device that can intelligently react to real-time signals from a, uh, a reliable weather service provider. That uh, that definitely is a, the future of providing maximum mitigation against these kind of events. Sam, Ken, I'd like, I'd like to talk a little bit about tracker architectures, mainly um, 
one module in portrait, which is utilized by Array Technologies, and uh, and two modules in portrait, which um, has a, a larger sale, so to speak, and and a larger amount of uh, of surface area. Um, what do we know about the risk profiles for one module in portrait versus versus two module in portrait when it comes to to, to hail mitigation in extreme weather? Yeah, so for uh, extreme weather conditions, especially the uh, extreme wind conditions, uh, it is going to face uh, a higher wind load compared to one module in portrait. So uh, the foundations, the module mounting will have to be more rigid uh, or stronger compared to a one module in portrait. Uh, that's that's pretty uh, clear and uh, uh, all the designs are done accordingly. Uh, the uh, hail risk is, is still more uh, is something that we need to uh, study uh, as like if we put the uh, two modular portrait at the same angle as uh, one modular portrait, it will still have a more exposed area. Uh, so uh, it it is going to be uh, similar in a way uh, your strategy is going to be, but uh, the risks could be uh, higher uh, when it comes to two modular portrait. But that's something we, we still have to study. All right, um, John and Sanket. I know that uh, that you all and uh, VDE and Array Technologies recently have have been working together on some further research and and uh, a report around trackers, how they're utilized with uh, with extreme weather, specifically hail and and wind. John, maybe you can talk to us a little bit about uh, uh, what's contained in that uh, in that report and. Sanket, what it uh, what it would potentially mean to uh, to our customers and to, to tracker users? Yeah, I can start with that. Um, back when the subject um, became of high interest to in the industry, um, some of our primary customers were large financial institutions. Um, started ask, asking us to take a look at it in more detail. Uh, what we did at that point in time is we brought on some industry-leading academic resources that uh, certainly know the, the, the hail subject and um, catastrophic high wind events and weather in general significantly better than any of us who are primarily involved in the solar um, industry specifically. And we asked them to try and apply some of their knowledge and know-how into how you would evaluate risk and design risk mitigation elements into traditional um, solar installation situations. And in doing that, we've done quite a bit of tool development and, and other um, research in order to try and identify a, a much better, try to gain much better knowledge on how hail affects uh, the solar assets and what the impact is on the financial performance, and also trying to understand what mitigating elements can be brought into play to inform uh, tracking manufacturers like Array. Uh, a few months back, uh, we and Array got together and we decided to generate a white paper type of a document for them summarizing our knowledge and, and uh, providing some kind of guidance as to how to design an appropriate mitigation strategy. 
and we've done that, and, and I think Hooray is continuing to present some very interesting um, results as a, as a result of that activity. And I'll turn it over to Sydney if you think I'm there. Uh, thanks, John. Uh, this is uh, like the white paper that we have received from you guys uh, just a couple of days ago, the final version. Uh, it, it provides a pretty good insight on uh, into the uh, hail uh, that uh, hits the module and uh, what kind of uh, damage it can do. So, uh, as as John said, it's it's uh, it simplified the uh, the issue in terms of putting it on a graph that shows you the impact energy at uh, different uh, different slow angles and different wind speeds in terms of impact energy and uh, size of the hill that's uh, hitting the module. So uh, it gives you a pretty simple uh, visual of uh, where your tracker needs to be, uh, needs to position your panels so you can mitigate the impact and uh, you can overlay uh, the, uh, the damage resilience of the module on top of that graph to come up with a pretty uh, pretty strong strategy uh, that that could be taken to the insurance companies to uh, and just show that you uh, you have thought through uh, how the risk of wind uh, and hail could be mitigated for the particular site. Yeah, I look really looking forward to that that report being released in the in the white paper. I think it uh, it has some some really interesting interesting findings. So the, the name of the podcast is, is Track to the Future. So uh, John, I'll, I'll, I'll ask you, um, what are some predictions from you on, on risk mitigation trends that'll come in the future that are, that are on the horizon for the, uh, for the industry as a whole? You think that we will be looking at chief risk officers in the, the future? Is this gonna be managed by, continued by, by asset owners? Um, any, uh, any surprises you can guess uh, what, what the future will hold? Yeah, well, I think the first thing that's going to occur is there'll be much stronger tools for analyzing the risk and, and quantifying it in the long-term financial uh, analysis. You need to um, do a lot of statistical, probabilistic um, uh, approaches to try to determine what the probability distribution function is um, this particular risk factor, as well as many other risk factors. But that um, type of tool development is going to be much more sophisticated going forward and much more powerful. And then the other element that I think is going to happen is that in these areas where you have a high risk for these kind of events, uh, these intelligent processes where there's real-time communications occurring uh, informing assets about what's about to happen to them, whether it's high straight line winds, whether it's uh, hail, tornadoes, or lightning, and then having already pre-programmed approaches to how to best set up the facility to minimize any kind of impact due to whatever's going to not to occur in the plant um, is going to be really interesting going forward and see how those communication protocols and the sophistication of the predictive software and technology is developed. Um, but all in all, I think there's a lot of room for improvement, and I think we're going to get our arms around it. And I feel that we're going to get to a place where insurance companies are 
going to be comfortable with providing insurance more at reasonable rates, and we can go back to more of a normal kind of a uh, funding decision-making process. That's going to do it for this episode of Track to the Future, a podcast from Array Technologies. Thank you so much for joining us for this episode of the show. Thank you to John, Travis, and Sanket for their expert analysis and insight here on the show today. We appreciate them very much. And for more information on Array Technologies, be sure to head to ArrayTechInc.com. That's ArrayTechInc.com. And there you'll be able to find out more information about Array Technologies and all the things that they have to offer. We'll be back soon with more episodes of the podcast, but until then, make sure you're subscribed subscribed on Apple Podcasts and Spotify to stay up with the latest from the solar industry. And we'll be back soon with those new episodes. But until then, I've been your host today, Tyler Kern. Thanks for listening.